When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. You know, I, I, uh, it's that time of year where you're supposed to be happy and bright, but, you know, I heard something the other day, and uh, it, it kind of bummed me out, and uh, that is that the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame is not going to have a Mass this year for Christmas. And it's the first time in 1192 years. The last time they didn't have a Mass on Christmas, the Vikings, <laughs> the Vikings were invading. So uh, uh, I feel bad for that. That you know, If you've ever been to France, if you've ever been to Paris, uh, Notre Dame is beautiful. It was beautiful. It's, actually, it's actually very dirty. And they probably had more artwork on the base than millions and millions of dollars of artwork. And I hope it survived the fire. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, it's... It's Christmas time. We're going to start a new year. Maybe it's time you should have a portfolio check. If you want to, go to WHK 1420 AM. Look at local podcasts down to Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. And that goes directly to my webpage, by the way. So if you want to sit down and have a, a portfolio review, uh, start a wealth plan. You know, the one thing I like about the wealth plan is it's interactive. So you can be sitting at home one night and saying, oh, I want to, you know... I, you know, I'm about to have a granddaughter, so I, I changed things around a little bit on my wealth plan this week. All right, so the, uh, you know, the changes can be made interactive, and then I see it, and then we can have a conversation on how to do it. Uh, so it, it comes up automatically. You know? So I get, a, I get a nice little email saying, hey, the, whoever changed their, you know, their thought process, contact them as soon as possible, and I do. All right, so uh, you know, a wealth plan... Uh, most of the people get frightened in 07 and 08 were people that didn't have a wealth plan. And, you know, by the way, we came on this show. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a, a new account, a really nice guy and his wife, and I, I didn't invest in him. And he said, w- w- what am I paying you for? I said, well, you're not paying me. <laughs> First of all, you know, uh, we, we didn't invest until 2009. And then we invested. And it's been great since then. We've been averaging about 10, 12% since then. So, um, if, if you don't have a plan, you got a problem. If you do have a plan and you think you have a problem, then you can change the plan, all right? And you can do it interactively from the comfort of your computer or your laptop or your cell phone for that matter, okay? So anyway, uh, by the way, we also have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our top ideas. The global ideas are starting to look good. I'm going to talk about that today in the show. And uh, uh, you can also get on our newsletter. Uh, and by the way, we have a new newsletter this month. Um Socially responsible investing, for those of you who want to do that. Aligning your money with your values. Hindsight is 2020. What will you do differently this year? I thought that was a good one. Uh, and key retirement and tax numbers for 2020. And could you survive a no-spend month? There we go. So, hey, look, last week we talked about uh, the bullish percent for the small cap stocks went into bull confirmed status. Remember that as we go along in the show. Uh, the average American will spend $700 million or $700 on holiday gifts and goodies this year, totally more than $465 billion. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> if that money was spent entirely on U.S.-made products, it would create 4.8 or 6 million jobs, but it doesn't even have to be that big. If each of us just spent $64 on American-made goods during the ho- holiday shopping, it result result in 200,000 new jobs. The Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which in October dropped nearly $37 million, uh, a billion bid for rival London Stock Exchange, handled 19.9 worth of EP- IPOs this year. Uh, those IPOs are very risky, so be careful. Nielsen, the, the all-channel sales data in, in August, put retail sales of sparkling-flavored water in the past 12 months at $2.45 billion. I'm guilty. I, I drink sparkling water all the time. The segment is still tiny compared with carbonated soft drinks, which is $27.7 billion in sales, but represents a huge, huge growth area. And uh, that, that's why guys like Coca-Cola and, and Pepsi are getting involved in that. So, so uh, I've been talking about financials for a while now, and I noticed this week, if I look at our friends at uh, Dorsey Wright, oh, you know what? I forgot to give you a quote for the week. So let's get back to that in a second. So first of all, let me assess my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear 
is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat, into advance. FDR. <laughs> anyway, so we've been talking about the, the battle for third place. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about financials and industrials for some time now. Having them basing is starting to pick up. So the battle for third place got really interesting this week in that financials took took out uh, 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 the, the uh, consumer cyclicals uh, for the week, which is really kind of interesting. Energy still dead last. Basic materials dead last. But basic materials also had a big increase in votes for the week. All right. Uh, a lot of basic material stocks are up 5 6%. So there we go. Um, now, in the dynamic asset level investing, the big side, we do have a, a race for third place. And if you look, the AGG, which is the iShares core bond fund, uh, broke a double bottom, meaning the bond broke a double bottom. That means yields are going up. Okay. Remember, I told you three months ago, don't buy bonds down here. Okay. Yields are, you buy yield when it's up, not when it's down. And then we looked at the Invesco commodity index and it broke a, a double top. And we'll break a triple top or a quadruple top, I should say, uh, a triple top, uh, if indeed it, it pops another couple bucks. Now, I did notice that Stanley Druckenmiller is uh, talking about copper, and we've been talking about copper for some time, and lumber. And, and look, um, somebody asked me the other day, Tim, what is going to knock technology off its peak? And I'll just tell you, it's inflation. If inflation bears its ugly head, the P.E. ratios on technology are coming down fast, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, and I'm going to talk more about that, so just keep keep listening. Now, I also noticed a bullish percent for all equity funds hit 90%, so all the equity funds out there are doing great. Now, generally, uh, it's been the index funds, and by the way, the index is now 100% overbought, the large cap growth, mid cap growth, domestic growth, and small cap growth that have been leading the way. But we do have... Technology, industrials, and and now financials are in third place, but healthcare has made the biggest advance. And it's still down on the list, but it's improving fast. So, uh, you know, healthcare could be a big sector next year. I think there you know, could be a big breakout in the biotechnology sector and also uh, the actual drug sector. You know, Merck had really good news on Friday. Um, you know, they have an Ebola um vaccine is available. So more and more of this stuff's going to be uh, getting up and growing, I think, in my humble opinion. You know, and if you look at um, the S&P 500, I mean, it broke a double top. Uh, then it broke it broke five tops. Then it broke uh, a double top. Then it broke another double top. And it's since brought and broken another double top. So uh, that is, you know, it's six consecutive buy signals on the S&P 500. But on the overbought, oversold reading, it's now at 100%, 99% to be exact, which means you want to wait for things now. Okay? Now, I, last week I tried to describe relative strength very briefly. Some people asked me, what is relative strength and how is it count, uh, calculated? Relative strength is one of the most important tools uh, in any arsenal when it comes to technical trading. And we must position our portfolios towards those securities that possess positive relative strength, all right, uh, to beat the benchmarks. But what is relative strength? In order to calculate relative strength, what we do is we divide the closing price of investment A by the closing price of investment B, and then multiply it by 100, and then we put it on a point-and-figure chart, okay? So uh, the relative strength relationship, let's say, between, you know, somebody asked me, uh, what's it, who's better, Coke or Pepsi? Well, Pepsi's been the better you know, the higher relative strength versus Coke for some time, although it looks like Coke is starting to gain. And the value of relative strength gives you an idea. This is, you know, this is something to think about. If we took four Dow stocks, okay, now I'm not recommending any of these, okay, but Apple's been on a buy signal versus 3M since March of 2018. Apple's been on a buy signal versus uh, Exxon since 2017. Apple's been on a buy signal via Pfizer, since July of this summer. So Apple's been the stock to be in, okay? Now, it's it's almost vertical, so I don't know if you want to be buying it now, but, you know, that's something to think about. Now, the other thing I'm seeing, and this is kind of interesting, uh, is is simply this. 
If we look at relative strength, the spread has risen over the last three years, reflecting the outperformance of the relative strength leaders versus the laggards. However, you know, I've been talking this value versus growth thing. Since late August, the spread has declined, reflecting outperformance of the relative strength laggards, which means, uh, and by the way, the emerging markets, the relative strength spread has broken out to new highs, which may mean it's time to look overseas. <laughs> it's time to look overseas, time to get the, the ADR list, uh, which is the American Depository uh, Receipts, which are stocks that are foreign that trade here. So you don't have to worry about currencies or the dividend. So in developed markets, in developed international markets, the RS, or the relative strength spread has chopped sideways over the last three years, reflecting similar performance of the RS leaders versus the laggards. So that's really interesting. But so what, what you should learn from what I just said is that the laggards domestically are taking over for the leaders and that it's the emerging markets that are doing better than the bigger markets. However, here's what I'm seeing internationally. United Kingdom broke its downtrend line. A downtrend line, as you may recall, is just a series of lower highs. It tends to be a psychological barrier. When you break through that, you become a solid citizen. And if you look at the S&P Europe ETF, it's broken out. France is broken out. Uh, France broke uh, almost, I think it was three tops. Switzerland broke out and then broke out again. And is now, we, we actually put an uptrend line in place. So we're starting to see some things. Even Germany, which has been a laggard and is really the one that gets hit the hardest by the tariffs, uh, has broken a double top. So there we go. All right. So somebody said, uh, somebody asked me for some philosophical ideas for the next year. And if you're investing, okay, first of all, you've got to know yourself. Second of all, I think you've got to set goals and save more. <laughs> That's what I always do. And I think you have to work on your discipline and your commitment if you're going to do it by yourself. Now, if you're dealing with Tim Hayes, believe me, I work on this stuff all the time. What tools and resources do you have? And, you know, are you macro or micro investing? What's your framework? What's your methodology? You got to start talking about probabilities. That's what point and figure charts are all about. Uh, profits come from knowing what is happening, not why. You don't have to know why. Remember, their asset allocation is good. Hasn't been working that great in the last couple of years. And also, you have to have the ability to, to embrace change. Uh, it's that simple. So, all right, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a good cop pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal Dreaming of a white Christmas. Okay, we're back. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, somebody ask me the other day, said, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm extremely frightened of asset prices declined, declining on me. And um, so I, I talked about the earnings per share growth. And, you know, look, we're at the high end of the P.E. ratio. Uh, I think the risk to U.S. earnings uh, – you know, I, I was listening to Lori Calcivine. I'm going to go over her stuff in a second, but it appears relatively s small. Uh, you know, w with decades of data indicating significant EPS growth may be likely for long-term investors, the outlook combined with reasonable price-to-earnings ratios is is not there. Look, I'm the guy that came on this radio show and said cash would outperform stocks, and I started talking about it at the last week. Well, actually, I started talking about it in May of 2007. And then in the, I think it was July, I, I said, hey, well, let's go bullish for a while. And then in November, I started just pounding that into your head every week until May 1st, okay? Uh, not a lot of people listened, but uh, I, I think they're listening now. But the point is, is that there's ways to see if the market's, uh, you know, folding over. And we'll keep you up to date on that part. But look, you Here's here's ten things that jumped out to Lori Calcivina, and she's our head strategist. And she said, and, and this worries me a little bit. Uh, optimism has surged. Now it's not at a point where you have to really worry, but it has surged. the The bulls have broken out, and the bears have gone into hi hibernation. 
which you know seems to be the case to a certain degree. Uh, everybody's positive, which you know, and we're one hundred percent overbought in the S and P five hundred, ninety nine percent. So, pessimistic views on the domestic economy continue to recede, and more and more people are getting. I mean, some of the big bears are getting bullish, and most equity investors think the Fed is in, is engaged in in quarter or uh, QE, which I don't think is the case, by the way. And then uh, here's a couple other things she she saw. There's been a deterioration in valuation. Uh, and so the, the appealing valuations that occurred back, you know, when I said we'd have a melt up are kind of, uh, you know, fading away. So, you know, actually they're big and small cap, uh, but the profitability outlooks can continues to approve. That's good news. And a growing majority of invest equity investors think Trump will be elected. And I think that's good news. Um, I, I really think that's good news because he's he's actually getting rid of le- regulation. He's letting the free market work, et cetera. Uh, he thinks she thinks Biden's chances have stabilized and Warren's fears have faded in the eyes of equity investors, which was good. Uh, that's she's a socialist. Uh, a growing majority of equity investors view impeachment without conviction as neutral for stocks. Uh, so, you know, obviously the impeachment process was one sided and. It'll be interesting to see how long it stays in the courts. And equity investors are buying into the idea of a rotation into leadership in 2020. And the question is, you know, what what's leadership? And, and that, I think, is the, the big, big problem. Uh, but look, housing starts rose 3.2 percent. That was a big number. And uh, we'll see, you know, what happens from there. But look, I guess the question is. I think the dollar is going to rally here. Remember, I told you I, I thought the dollar was, you know, made a double top and all that stuff. I think it's going to rally just to make sure everybody's paying attention, you know, because it seems too easy. But is it time to send your portfolio overseas? And I've been talking about just easing in a little bit here, a little bit there. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And I, I guess globally, you know, the Fed rate cuts were just enough at the rate time for the global investor. And, we're starting to see some pickup in economic growth. But look, you know, the, the stocks was up 22% this year. Shanghai Composite was up 21. The Canadian index was up 18. And the UK FTSE was up 13.9. So, you know, back in the spring when we told you to go international, those are pretty good numbers. Okay, now the EEM broke out and then came back. It was up actually like 24, 25% and then pulled back. So we'll see what happens. But I think uh, you get the, the decreased tension in the in the china trades and things could get really interesting so look uh, a lot of the stock in, indexes hit record new highs uh you know you had the s&p 500 uh the russell 2000 did uh, but it's not an all-time new high uh the 10-year treasury yield index uh it broke out uh not to an all-time new high but you know you're starting to you know the nasdaq uh, is on the way to 10,000 whether it'll get there right away who knows but um you know, and, and I guess the question is, do you want to be a trend follower at this point or you want to wait a little bit? And I, I, I'm not real sure if I'd be jumping out and uh, grabbing the next new, uh, you know, uh, next stock that's, you know, made a 25% move. I think I'd like to see it pull back 5%, 10%. You know what I mean? And um, look, uh, the tensions between China and U.S. are out there. But I also think one of the big industry groups that made a move uh, was gambling, you know, because this is, you know, gambling and FedEx, I think, are the, the two areas where, uh, you, you know, if, if they get a China deal, it's very positive. You know, FedEx do- doesn't look like it's going to be that way. But the gambling stocks made a big, big move this week and have made a big, big move for about a month now anticipating this deal. And, uh, you know, a lot of those got just beat up bad uh, for no apparent reason other than Macau, you know, was going to be closed to basically a lot of people. And then the other thing I noticed is uh, I, I saw a lot of the uh, basic material companies move 10, 10, 15%. I think they're just getting started because, you know, if I talked to what I talked about earlier was laggards starting to lead. If that's the case, these are the laggards and things could get really very interesting uh, quickly. By the way, they're the bottom end of the S and P 500. So what will probably be the case is that the S&P 500 equal weight group will outperform. All right. So we'll just leave it at that. I've also noticed that I'm seeing MLP by MLP, uh, master limited partnerships. Nobody likes them. Nobody's talking about them, yet they're breaking out left and right. 
insiders are buying at a just unbelievable pace. Um, you know, there you go. Uh, I, I am also seeing a lot of the financial services starting to, you know, get up and go. So we're seeing a, it, it's a, we're advancing and we're advancing with more foot soldiers and more archers. And that's what I think is really, really positive. And, uh, you know, look, I think a lot of people have a fear of heights at this point because uh, we had a pretty good rally here. But I think you want to stay calm because I don't see a top yet. I just see an overbought scenario. And remember, overbought scenarios can be decided two ways, time and price. If it's time, I think you're going to see the small caps lead the way. All right? So, look, I think this secular bull market is is intact. And I think the four-year cycle is a very bullish underpinning for 2020 because we just got started. All right? Most people that I listen to, you know, the gurus on TV and all that good stuff are negative or they're pulling back their horns because we're up this year. Remember, we were down 9% last year, and at one time we were down 19%. We're down, almost down 20, 19.83%. 20% is a bear market. So, so let's call it a bear market, okay? So we, we gained it back. We're just now hitting a new high. We're just now hitting a new high. So could there be an intermediate-term perk uh, a peak? I mean, uh, you know, you could have a pause. It's probably likely in the mid you know, quarter one, don't know where exactly, but uh, software starting to uh, emerge a little bit. Um, semiconductors have rallied through 2019, and I, I don't see them stopping. Uh, they may pause for a while. The tower companies, uh, you know, are really interesting now because they're more defensive growth because they have big div- dividends. Now, the aerospace and defense is being held back by Boeing, and, and I don't know what to do with Boeing. I don't know what to tell you with that, but, uh, you know, look, I look at this new secular uptrend in this 17- and 34-year cycle, and we're, we just got started, I think, in 2017. And uh, so I think we have a long time for this to go up. And, and if you look at the U.S. bond yields, they're still at a, at a 30-year low, 30 almost 40-year low. So uh, now if we talk about this four-year cycle, you know, we just broke into the four-year cycle on the upside. Uh, so – you know, normally there is a uh, a pretty significant move up during that period of time. You know, 2016 was the last time we broke out in this four-year cycle. And, you know, uh, 2000, we, we rallied right through 2017, and we went sideways for two years, and now we'll go up for a couple years. So uh, things could get really interesting. So I think the cycle backdrop remains bullish, very, very bullish. And, I, you know, look, I'm noticing that uh, – you know, the S&P right now is in the early stages of reversing its relative performance downtrend versus uh, the TLT or the bonds, okay? So that's very, very good. And I looked at the, the Chicago uh, or the Citigroup uh, Economic Surprise Index, and it's not real over at a point where you would think it would peak. And uh, the the bulls minus the, the bears in the American Association of Individual Investors is is up, but it's not where it would peak either. The Russell has some place to go, and if it were to break out, I think it would make a big run because it's the only index that hasn't broken out. Small caps have been actually, you know, they they were where they they were back in 2015 and 16, so they've been the hardest hit by the Fed policy, I think. But the relative performance is starting to break out versus the S and P 500, which is very positive, and the growth versus value deal, you know, uh, we broke it on a, we broke down on a daily basis, so growth was hurting there for a while. And now growth has picked back up a little bit, but um, like I said, the laggards are starting to outperform. So uh, any whiff of inflation, I think, will send the, the technology stocks back uh, quite a bit. Now, the EFA, which is the global markets, the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, has broken out, pulled back, and now it's broken out again. And the relative performance is starting to break out, too. Same with the EEM, uh, although we'd like to see it a little bit stronger on the relative performance for the S&P 500. I was looking at the TLT, which is a 30-year bond, and uh, quite frankly, it looks like it's in a triangle pattern. And, uh, you know, if it breaks the, the 136 mark, uh, which is, you know, it could be, it could be a problem. And, look, uh, I talked about the dollar last week. I said it made a double top, and I, and it, I think it's going to bounce a little bit just because just everybody's expecting it to go down. <laughs> That's the way it works, folks. You know, when everybody's expecting something, 
you know, it pops up a little bit, which will give you a chance to get, you know, gold pull back a little bit further, oil pull back a little bit further, that type of thing. Uh, but oil's in a big triangle pattern, and uh, we, you know, it'll be settled someday. It's not today. Uh, gold, uh, Bob Dickey had a great chart on gold, but gold could be, you know, I was looking at the GDX and, and some of the other gold uh, ETFs, and they look like they've made a cup, and now they're going to make the handle. And the question is, will they make the handle? Eh, that's a million-dollar question right now. <laughs> but the GDX, on a, on a daily basis, has broken its downtrend line that has been in for a while. And the junior gold, uh, uh, gold miners look great, too. Copper has just come back to its uptrend line and looks like it's in really good shape. But the financials uh, look like they're leading the way. The bank index is definitely it. The utility index is starting to fade, and the staples, too. Technology still leads the way, and the semiconductors, too. So, hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back to this Smart Investor Show. Merry Christmas, ladies. Merry Christmas, Mr. Buble. Are you ready to sing a little Jingle Bells? Yes. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Okay, we're back. And uh, I talked too long in that last segment, so I didn't get a chance to tell you that. But now we're going to talk about um, the bullish percent. And the bullish percent is simply a guide, a risk guide. Okay? And uh, it's been... It's been pretty dependable because it's this big. All it's telling you is, are the point and figure charts starting to fall apart, or are they moving up slowly but surely? And what you find is, it's a chart from zero to one hundred, and when you get over seventy, that's the red red zone. That's when everything's hot to handle, etc. And and when you get below thirty, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying in their beer and they don't want to talk about stocks, which is the best time to talk about them, by the way. And then uh, we have an offensive team and a defensive team. So when the Offensive teams on the field, we're in a column of X's, where we are right now, by the way. And when we're in a defensive team, uh, we have a column of O's. And, you know, somebody said, well, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to run my portfolio on O's and X's. And I said, no, you work your portfolio around those. Okay? So when you're a column of O's and you're at 70 and you like a stock, you just say, hey, I'll put, I'll put my order in here and leave it there. Good till cancel. It might be 10 bucks below. Who knows? And by the way, uh, there's other things here like domestic equities, if they're number one asset class, which they are right now, we're in good shape. Back in 2007, 2008, when everybody was scared to death, they were the lowest form of life. And we said it on this show every week. End of, end of conversation. Anyway, this week, <coughs> um, the bullish percent was up 2% uh, to 58.5. That's a fairly high number, but... It's not terribly high, you know, terribly high 75, something like that. The um, over-the-counter index is up 2.1% to 49.7. That's a good position to be buying. And the world index is in a column of X also, and it's at 46.3, up 2.5. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's time to shift a little bit of money overseas, right? So if we look at the – but the S&P 500 is a little bit overbought, and the weekly distribution, you know, if it gets to 54 that's that's a lot. It's right now at twenty six point six percent, so that's you know that's a reasonably overbought uh, scenario. I would suggest if you know if if I you know I did it the standard way, uh, the overbought oversold reading for the S and P five hundred now is at the top of its trading band at ninety nine percent, and that's suggesting a, a heavily overbought condition. So. At first glance, this would indicate that large cap equities may not be an optimal place to add long exposure, because uh, it you know we've we've moved f- far and fast. I mean, I started talking about melting up the first week of October, second week of October, so uh, and we may be subject to a near term pullback. However, if we look at this weekly distribution, uh, it yields just twenty six point six percent. Which these two numbers, how can they be so different? All right, so. It's gauging the comprehensive index as a relative to its trading band. So that's the important part. When we first break down the uh, index cons- constitutes by market cap, the 50 largest individual names combined for 51.13% of the overall market capitalization. 
And since October 15th, these names have also accounted for a total of three uh, return of 3.84% of the S&P 500's total return index. So that's something you got to remember, too. So um, anyway, this week, Dynamic Asset Level Investing, which our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with, and they provide us with a bullish percent, too, by the way, um, some changes happened. Financials jumped over communication services and consumer cyclicals. And healthcare uh, moved out of the bottom four. So it was they were second to last, and now they're uh, you know moving up quickly. So, look, technology is firmly in first place. The industrials gained some momentum, and they're in second place. Financials are in third. Uh, so we've, we've had a bit of a change. I will say this. The utility sectors has lost some steam in the form of these of – uh, relative strength recently, and we talked about that this summer. That the real, you know, we thought that you know the utilities were kept going up, but the relative strength kept going down, and now you're starting to see part of that. Uh, healthcare continues to improve and has gained eight new signals, uh, which is very positive. Now I looked at the indexes and the Dow um, and the uh, the equal weight and uh, marketization market capitalization weight. And the large stocks have all been negative for about a week. Uh, the the um, mid-cap's been uh, negative for about two weeks. This is just the, the, the momentum, okay? And and the, the small caps have been positive. Now, the January effect is right around the corner. Okay, we're a week away. And uh, so this is the time you want to be buying small caps, not selling them, my, my uh, thing. But I look at the overbought situation again, and I look, most all the major indexes are pretty overbought. All right, so... Look, they can settle back through a time scenario or or they can correct, okay? So weekly distribution is one of the metrics we track uh, for every security index. And, uh, look, the overbought, oversold reading is pretty significant. The extra large stocks or the XLG is 100% over, over, overbought. And uh, so is in the Spiders and the, uh, the uh, RSP, which is the equal weight index. So the QQQs are up there too. So I think, you know... Uh, be a little bit more careful. That's all I'm trying to tell you. And, um, you know, just you you want to you want to think like the you know the markets. When I talked about the melt up, I had ten phone calls from people saying, "You don't know what you're talking about." Okay, we're just about to go into recession, and now they're calling me and saying, "What should I buy?" And I'm stop. Now the weekly distribution, uh, you know, which usually peaks around forty. Got up to about 18 this week, so uh, we are distributing things a little bit better, which is good. And we have 17 favored sectors again, which is really positive. Okay, we remember we were down at six and seven for most of the year, and I don't think we broke 11 until October 20th. So I'll talk about these. They'll be all favored sectors, and I'm going to start with the most overbought, and then I'll move my way down. Gaming, we talked about that earlier. But with the move they made, I would suspect it's not over. It's at 75%, so you just want to wait on those stocks. Building, machinery, and semiconductors are all at 70. We've been talking about semiconductors since midsummer. Let them wait. Steel and electric utilities. A lot of steel stocks. Worthington, you know, breaking out like crazy, okay? Uh, electric utilities are at 65. Electric utilities actually moving backwards, okay? Uh, forest and paper products are at 60. Waste management, computers, and electronic products are at 55. That's not a bad place to buy. Healthcare, uh, real estate, leisure, and transportation are at 55. I think the transportation stocks are getting hammered uh, by FedEx and Boeing. So I don't know what to tell you about those two. Um, and then the 45 area are biotech and restaurants. That's a really good place to buy things. And then at 40 is housing stocks. And uh, we've been talking about those for a pretty long time, too. I did notice that... Uh, Biogenetics went into bull confirmed status, and we have healthcare, internet, leisure, media, uh, metals, non-ferrous, uh, and precious metals all in that same category, and that's usually a good place to be uh, looking for stocks, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, now, I, I did uh, notice that oil and protection services and chemicals went to average from unfavored, and non-ferrous metals, which were down and out, I mean, they were out. Uh, have moved up to the top end of unfavored status. And gas utilities are going completely unfavored. So, uh, you know, be careful with that. As far as the international equities are concerned, um, like I said, you know, we, we saw earlier where we had, you know, France, Germany, you know, Switzerland, they're all breaking out from their downtrend line. So um, 
you know, maybe some money overseas makes sense. Emerging markets look good, too. So uh, there we go. And, you know, um, India is an interesting scenario because it's been one of the weaker, uh, relatively weaker international groups uh, on the asset class group score. OK. And, um, you, you know, it, it, it's, it's made a big move up. Uh, so the, their direction has gone straight up in the last two weeks. I don't know what's going on, but a positive score direction of 1.23% is, is very big. And it marks the sixth highest score direction out of any of the uh, international equity focus groups. So uh, something's going on in India. Maybe we can find out earlier. But I did notice if you look at their Nifty 50, uh, the Indy is what is the ETF. It did break its downtrend line. So that's a big positive. Uh, if it broke 39.5, that would be really big positive. Uh I think there's other better, and I'm not recommending this because I think there's other better looking ETFs, and I'm not telling you what those are. Uh, the consumer ETFs in India have, have been actually going down. They broke out earlier and now have pulled back. So, be, uh, you know, it, it is a general, I, I think the consumer stocks led and now have taken a pause where some of the other stocks are starting to uh, break out. Now, the U.S. Treasury 10-year yield, we talk about fixed income, and somebody said, well, Tim, why aren't you talking about bonds? Because I told you, I don't like bonds, buying bonds when the yields are down. I like to talk about them when the yields are up. That's when you'll hear from me. All right. But the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield uh, reversed into a column of X's. That means the yields are going up. And it broke a double top at 1.925% Wednesday. Uh, so that's the second consecutive buy it, uh, signal for this index. And the 30-year index now sits just one box away from breaking a double top at 23 Seven five, uh, and if we look further in the yield curve, the five-year uh, yield index uh, (FYX) sits one box away from breaking a double top. So look, when yields go up, the prices go down. So if you just bought bonds, you you know, going to get beat up a little bit. All right. Now I don't know how far they're going. You know, I'm not that good. No, but you know, interest rates. There's an old joke about Alan Greenspan and interest rates. But um, the point is, is that. You got to remember, I'm talking about the TLT making a series of lower highs, kind of a triangle pattern. So you got to be careful. Uh, like I said, you want to buy yield when it's up. So the yield's starting to pick up now. If it if it makes a big move, that would be very positive, and that would be a good time to buy. All right. Um, but if you look at the Treasury bond, the, you know, like the Barclays 10 to 20 year Treasury bond ETF, you know it, it's at support. And if it breaks down, it's making a series of lower highs, just like I talked. Now, the uptrend line is almost 10% lower. So, you know, those are the type of things you're going to worry about. As far as uh, commodities, crude oil has been positive for a couple of weeks. Gold went positive last week, which is very, very good. And uh, I've noticed most of the energy funds are not above their uptrend line. They're still below it. So now we talked about relative strength earlier. Well, these are the stocks with relative strength buy signals. You should pay attention to these. They can last a long time. Intervac, uh, Synaptics, which, you know, both these have been showing up in my charts. Timken, that's been showing up in my charts too. Vicor, Bausch Health, that's another one. TJ Therapeutics, another one. And Talos Energy, another one. So uh, uh, interesting names. Those moving to a sell signal, you want to check your f- fundamentals here, are uh, 8 times 8 Technology Services, Delec Holdings, Maytam Property, Liquidity Services, Lending Tree, uh, V Life, that got really clobbered, and Curo Group, which uh, got beat up a little bit too. So uh, those you want to check your fundamentals one more time, folks. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, now we're going to talk about insiders. And insiders know their companies better than we do. All right. Now, just remember, they're very early. Uh, and they are uh, usually v- very, very, uh, well, let's just put it this way. We're looking for the biggest buys. Okay. And uh, look, uh, if somebody asked me last week, uh, they called me and said, hey, you know, I want to talk about insider buys. Well, that's great. You know, just go to WHK 1420 AM. 
Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and Smart Investor Show. That leads you directly to my webpage. So you can, you know, if you want to call me, the number here is 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or you go directly to my webpage and just hit the contact me or email me. It's quite easy. Uh, but I, I incorporate insider buys into my computer. So I watch them, I watch them, and they start showing up on my computer pretty regularly. Then I start to buy them, okay? Um, but anyway, we had a third buyer of Expedia shares. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But I, I also I looked at the sell-buy ratio. And for the last couple of months, it's been around 25 and a quarter. And um, the ratio for last week was up to 36.2. So there, there's 36 sellers to every buyer. Uh, looks like uh, some people are starting to sell is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but Expedia, we did notice there was an insider buy there. Enterprise Products, uh, the chairman of the board, Randy Duncan Williams, has acquired 636,000 shares. Then he bought another million. Enterprise Products, by the way, we downgraded it. <laughs> so the, the CEO and the chairman of the company is buying the stock, and we've downgraded That'll be see who wins there. Um, and also uh, LMP Automotive Holdings, uh, the president and CEO, uh, a gentleman by the name of Taufik, bought 392,920 shares. That's about three and a quarter, three and a half million dollars. And I, I, Expedia, I mean, he bought 2.5 million. It's the third purchase. Um, we talked about Sage last week, and, um, you know, the, another insider bought just a small piece. Uh, so that's that's interesting. We, a couple sales, by the way, Uber. I've been noticed that, that Travis Kalanick, who was actually the founder, sold 7.8 million shares. Stock seems to be bottom. And then also uh, T-Tech Holdings, uh, the chairman sold $3 million worth. And Workday, uh, several people sold 300,000 shares, uh, which is interesting. Uh, now, we, if you, for those who like the real roll-the-dice stocks, uh, you know, we talked about Global Star two weeks ago. Well, this week, the chairman and CEO bought 500,000 shares for $195,000. Then he bought 750,000 shares uh, for uh, $322,500. Then he bought 1.5 million shares for $625,000. So a total of a little over a million dollars. Uh, it's a 45 cent stock, you know. So uh, you know, Global Star had a product, a phone uh, that was based off satellites, and uh, I don't know, if, I don't know what the scoop is. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Then we had another master limited partnership, uh, an energy tra- transfer lim- limited partnership. Remember, they bought three weeks ago. This week, we had a whole bunch of them. The president bought uh, these are shares now, six hundred eighty-two thousand four hundred shares. Stock was around thirteen. The chief operating officer, 190, uh, he bought $189,000 worth. Uh, the CFO bought 215,000 shares. The controller bought 42,000 shares. And the uh, uh, a major director bought 214,000 shares. And then a major director bought $1.3 million worth. There we go. And then Agree Realty, which just got hammered. It was a, you know almost an $80 stock. It was an $80 stock. And now it's 68 uh, Richard Agri, Agri Realty, bought six hundred eighty-nine thousand shares, and he bought eight hundred twenty-one. Uh, I'm sorry, dollars worth, eight hundred twenty-one dollars worth, to the tune of about one point seven million dollars. So uh, he took the pullback as a chance to buy, and this is interesting because uh, this is the first insider buy for a long time. Johnson Johnson, uh, we had a director buy seven hundred seventeen thousand dollars. Uh, at the at a new high, now they were bailing uh, back in July, uh, bailing big time. So that's interesting. And then Transatlantic Petroleum. This is another forty six cent stock, where uh, the CEO bought two point seven uh, or two point eight million dollars worth of stock. Okay, and then we had a couple other names that I thought were interesting. Ardelex. Uh, this is really interesting because we had the the uh, CEO or you know, basically a 10% owner, buy 400,000 shares. And then we had 10 others buy 400,000 shares at around six and a quarter. It made a move. It's up at 800. And then we had uh, a, a hedge fund buy 400,000 shares, and they own, about, uh, 10, they own about 10%. So two 10% owners 
bought 400,000 shares. Then we had 10 others buy 400,000 shares. Uh, so if it was a secondary, they bought a lot of it. And then Constellation Pharmaceuticals, this is one of those stocks I told you that I bought and doubled. Um, actually quintupled. Uh, I, I got out you know, somewhere between the high and uh, that quintuple. Uh, we had a, a director buy 13.8 million shares, and I did a secondary, and that's what I was kind of worried about and, you know, whatever. Uh, Children's Place, the president and CEO bought a million dollars worth after the stock dropped from 120 to 70. And the COO and the CFO both bought about $280,000 worth. And here's another one that's interesting. Support.com, it's a little internet company at about two bucks. The president and CEO bought $1.2 million worth and came back three days later and bought another quarter million dollars worth. And then, and then uh, Contego, remember, just a little oil company at two bucks. We had like eight people buy, and we just had another, We well, we'll just talk about the uh, a 10% owner. And he bought 940,000 shares, and he bought 340, then he bought 6.9 million shares, and he bought 3.1 million shares. So John Goff is, uh, you should look him up. He knows what he's doing when it comes to oil. And then finally, uh, China XD Plastics Company, which is a little $1.77 stock. The CEO, uh, Jim Hon, bought $1.1 million worth. Okay. So here's what the, I mean, look, I look at the market and it continues to trade near the high end of its range. And um, the recent market advances caused some of the short-term sentiment indicators to reach overbought levels. And so I think that in the past, this has coincided with short-term peaks or periods of time when the market goes sideways, okay? So uh, I think you've got to understand that. I also think, I was looking at gold, and the trend in gold appears to be pulling back towards support and the previous breakout around 1,400. Now, I don't know if it's going to get all the way back there, uh, but, you know, as it comes down, I think, look, the trend on gold is up. From a year ago, and with that comes the the publicity and the renewed interest that their thirty percent rally can generate. All right, so when we when we sent you that that information, remember it made a twenty five percent move right after we sent it to you. If you were on our list, if you'd like to get on our list, go to WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down to Tim Hayes. Hit my email list. All right, all right, get get to my webpage and hit my email list. But so I look, I, you know, gold's pulling back. I remember I told you I thought the dollar would rally a little bit, which is you know it started to Friday. It'll get a little bit of a rally, get people more excited about the dollar, and then I think they'll nail it. Um, I don't think the dollar is going down big. I just think it's going down big enough where, you know, the commodities will pick up a little bit. And uh, look, I, I said what would cause the technology stocks, and you know, that have been leading the way for three years to get get beat up would be a whiff of inflation. And if you get a whiff of inflation, P.E. ratios come down. Okay? P.E. ratios go up when there's no inflation involved, when they when they think that inflation is going to tear into their earnings or tear into their future earnings, they bring the PE ratios down, which would probably hurt the technology sector because the value stocks go up with inflation. Okay. They go up with the dollar declining. Remember that. So the market is traded in a relatively tight and slowly rising 8% range for most of the year, despite uh, a lot of upsetting news. I mean, we've got a impeachment, we've got Chinese news, all sorts of bad things have been happening yet. The market continues to go up and, Look, I believe it is possible that the markets are setting up for a period of high volatility coming up here, all right? Maybe in January. You know, volatility means, you know, you're going to have up and down prices. So this could see the indexes pull back probably to the lower end of the range. But remember, it's just an 8% range. So I don't think it's like, you know, bear market, whatever. The other thing I noticed is that the emerging markets appear to be breaking out from kind of a longer period of bottoming, all right? So this might be, you know, the low for, for the time being. So um, the emerging markets are looking pretty good. There's two or three ETFs that I really like, uh, much, much better than what the ones I'm talking about right now. But uh, there we go. The other thing I noticed is that oil is at resistance right now, and oil has moved up to the high end of the range of, of the past six months. Uh, but whether it's going to break out or not is uncertain. You know, you got with breakouts, you got to wait till the breakout. So it's that simple and, and take it from there. So, um, one thing I did notice is that the, the retail index is neutral but potentially constructive. It's in a triangle pattern. So if it breaks to the north, that would be very, very good for the retail stock. So we'll see what happens there. So what would I be doing? Well, here's a couple things that I would recommend. Uh, people always give me a hard time about this, and I say, 
the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Uh, you know, you got to look at credit. You got to know how to manage your credit. You got to know how evan- uh, evaluating your credit needs. Use a credit strategically. And um, it's important because you don't need credit until you need it. You know, I, I talk, talk to my cl- clients that have individual accounts, not IRAs now. You know, set up a credit line. Then if you need it, you need it. If you don't need it, it's not there. You don't have to worry about it. All right. We also uh, uh, have our new global insights. So, so it, what we're looking at is 2020 is our, uh, our investment stance for that. And it's a great piece. Our best income ideas uh, worldwide, our global income ideas, and our best energy ideas. Energy, I don't know. You know, my, my problem with energy is that I'm not sure how long the, uh, the move will be. Okay. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of oil. Now, some crazy guy um, on the radio said, you know, when, when oil was going up to 100, that there was plenty of energy. And uh, be honest with you, not a lot of people believed me back then. <laughs> they thought I was nuts. Uh, but, I mean, the Permian Basin's bigger than all three of the Saudi wells. Just remember that. So, in the meantime, uh, you know, you go to WW, WHK 1420AM. And uh, you go to uh, local podcasts down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, and then you can go right to my webpage. So if you want to have a conversation, have a cup of coffee, you can call us at 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or just go contact me, email me. We'd glad to. We're going to have a new time in the new year. We're moving to 1 o'clock on Saturdays. So remember that. We're going to have a new time in the new year, 1 o'clock on Saturdays, not to be forgotten. In the meantime, have a Merry Christmas. They heard him exclaim as the radio waves melted into the night. Happy Christmas to all, and to all, good night. This is Smart Investor Show. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.